Thank you so much, Janet Lee. I tell you this over and over again, but I just love the spirit of your playing. And it just penetrates me. And I know other people are telling me the same thing. Well, hello, everybody out there. Here we are again. We've got quite a teaching today to get into. But before the teaching, I've just had so many requests to sing another song. <clears throat> and it seems like um, I can't get out of it. <laughs> so I'm going to sing and play. I'll play on the piano. And uh, <clears throat> it's this song called um, Just a Closer Walk. And that's an old-time song. Uh, I've known it ever since I was a little kid, and it goes back before then. And I know that most of you should know that song, Just a Closer Walk. I'm going to play a little bit and sing. Um, I have modified the melody some and the words some. So don't be alarmed. closer walk with thee grant it Jesus won't you please daily walking oh so close to thee oh let it be, let it be, let it be. Well, when my life on earth is through, and I leave to be with you daily daily living in your glory let it be let it be let it be
so much for that. I could have had a little bit more practice, I'm sure, but <clears throat> we do it not to be famous or not to be letting anybody think that we are anything special. Just because singing is an international language. So today, we have so much to talk about. And I think if you would just turn to the book of Revelations, we want to educate you on that just a little bit. The book of Revelations. And we're looking at the 12th chapter. Now, it starts off like this, and, and we know that that word and is a many-level, multiple-dimensional type of word. There appeared a great wonder in heaven. Now, when something like that happens, there's so many questions that arise. For instance, in heaven, most of the time when people talk about something happening in heaven, they're not seeing it because that's a faraway place, or at least it's in a dimension that they can't see into. But John is having an experience, and he at least is able to see this. And this woman appears in heaven. Now, it's, it's important that it's a woman because in the days of John, with a lot of religious orthodoxy type of people, women were not very popular. They were mostly just to keep their mouth shut and listen to what the men had to say. And for sure, they were not to be part of any dynamic picture of Revelation. Well, it's a different story here in this book of Revelation because this woman is a major feature. And this woman is clothed with the sun. Now the sun is a star. And whether, whether you're referring to the star as a sun or the sun as a star, the one thing that it is famous for giving off is light, L-I-G-H-T, lighting up space, lighting up the darkness. Let there be light, and there was light. There are different kinds of light, but the sun, the star, certainly is one. So she's clothed with the sun, and we have to refer in this sense that the, being clothed with the sun, without question, represents being clothed with the light of God. The light of God being the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the revelation of God. <clears throat> and so, here we have a woman who is clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. When we get into these Bible things, and pretty much throughout the entire Bible, 
with some exceptions, we get into symbols and emblems and parables. And some of it is quite labyrinth and some of it is quite parable and almost parabolic. And to really understand what is being written, we have to be able to open this symbolism to a magnitude that reaches the level of what the vision is and what the revelation is. And if we don't reach that magnitude, but we put in the idea of some kind of a symbol, but the symbol doesn't really fit the jigsaw puzzle, but we've had the idea that it should be a symbol or symbolic, then we don't get the magnitude that equals the kind of light that you need to have to know the revelation. And so, as a consequence, many, many readers and many, many people who are wanting to know the truth get into interpretations by their own way of trying to study the Bible and come up with meanings, or by their claims, presumptuously, that God has revealed something to them which God really didn't. The one thing about books like Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelations, to name a few, is that there are so many parts to these symbolic, collective meanings that if you don't have all of the right parts, it's just like a puzzle. Some of the jig just doesn't fit. And even if you sort of force it to fit, it doesn't have the character of the picture on its surface that reveals to you what the whole showing of the revelation is. And so here we look at this. And we really have to start off and we have to read and say, there appeared a great wonder. And we have to look at that. Because if we don't look at those words to understand what they mean, we're going to be in the fail zone. Now the word wonder, when you look it up in the Greek Strong's Concordance Dictionary, number 4592 and number 4591, number 4592 revealing a collateral connection between 4591 and 4592. Well, this word can mean wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R, it can mean that. But it isn't the real meaning of the text. Because, for instance, in Revelation 17.8 and into the Greek Strong's Concordance 22.96, you have the use in the King James Bible about those that dwell on the earth shall wonder. And what the word wonder there means, although it would seem like it would mean the same thing as this 
scripture in Revelations 12.1, but it doesn't. What it means in Revelation 17.8 is that those that dwell on the earth would admire. They would admire. And the difference is major because in this 45.92 and 45.91, Greek interpretation of the translated word. Wonder comes from a word called sima, and it means a mark, an indication to signify, and it also means a sign, S-I-G-N. So now, when we read, and it says, and there appeared a great sign. And we understand that this sign is a a signification that has a indication of some particular point of revelation. Now, that's fascinating, exciting, and very important. And there appeared a great it 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 puts an adjective on there. It describes that it, it's just not any old kind of sign. It's a great sign. So the magnitude of its importance is something to be astonished about. It's a great sign. And now, once we know it's a sign and that it has an indication of some revelation, an indication of certain meanings, and it signifies things that we are to be able to to relate so that we can get the whole picture and the whole puzzle, the whole labyrinth will fit together. So now there appeared a great wonder, a great sign in heaven. Now, the word heaven is used so often and it means so many different things. We know that in Genesis chapter 1 that the firmament was called heaven. And that's, that's important because we see that in verse 8. And God called the firmament heaven the evening and the morning, etc., etc. So, when we talk about heaven, it could just mean the atmospheres out on top and above the earth. Or it could mean uh, a space between stars. Certain designated parts being heavens. It could mean the atmosphere that was part of a certain planet. Or it could even mean something on the divine spiritual side. Something that had the influence and was in a a pattern of the first domain, the heaven of heavens, 
a symbolism, a pattern, a level of spirituality not comparable to the heaven of heavens, but along the lines that prepared a person for that one-day spiritual ascent. So heavens can mean all kinds of things. And so when we look here, wonder in the heaven, we do have to, to have some kind of understanding that this particular heaven evidently was talking about the space of a great part of the solar system. And it was accentuated on the part of the solar system that the sun was in, that the moon was in. And the moon, of course, is a satellite, so to speak, of the earth. So now the heaven that is really being described here, we are able to understand it because of these two major objects, one greater, one less, the sun the greater, the moon the less, and two things that are favorable to the earth come from both of these two sources. Light comes from the sun, and the moon reflects light of the sun to the earth. And so, this woman represents something. She's a sign. And she's clothed with the light of this sun, which is a physical light, but the physical light represents the spiritual light. And the moon is reflecting the spiritual light. Of course, it also reflects the physical light. But in this sense, the symbolism is telling us the story. And so she's standing on the moon. And so many times the moon has represented the church. But whether you want to apply that or not, it still comes back to the same meaning. The woman is involved with this reflected light because we are to be a light on the hills. But the light that we are getting is not our own light. In the book of John, the first chapter, it tells us that every, every human that comes into the world is, is born in the light. So there is a light that we are getting called the kingdom of God within us. And what we do when we minister, when we come into truth, we get into this aspect of reflecting the light from God, the spiritual things from God. Where people get in trouble is when they are trying to reveal presumptuously their own idioms and ideas. And they are trying to be spiritual from the sense of being the origin of light. When the origin of light is from God, it's like the sun. And then we're like the moon as, as a collective body. And we're reflecting 
this light of the sun back to the moon, especially during the dark time, the night time. So then we go on with the description of this woman. And upon her head is a crown of 12 stars. Now, this crown is important to understand. In Proverbs 4.9, it talks about an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. Well, there's a lot of scripture that really gives edification that the meaning of this particular crown is that which would relate to the idea of a crown of glory. This woman had a crown of glory. And that goes, that goes along with the haloing or the hallowing and, and the halo concept because you've got the sun and the light of the sun and you've got, you know, how when that light comes upon a body, how that, that it can make everything from a shadow to a halo along with other things that happen in nature. And so the glory there is very important to see and to understand. This crown is a crown of glory. Now, we're talking about in heaven, this wonder, this sign appears in heaven. But when we go to the book of Psalms, don't lose your place in Revelations, but when you go to the book of Psalms, the 19th uh, chapter, a very famous chapter that people have read, I've read so many times, I've preached on it many times. Chapter 19, verse 1 of Psalms, the heavens, plural, declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth its handiwork. Now we understand that the firmament is also a heaven. We read that to you in Genesis chapter 1-8. So we've got both of these things declaring the glory of God. Now, the scripture here is going to define what this glory of God is. It then goes on to say, after it says the, the, the heavens declare... And that's something, you know, like you could declare something by, by making a proclamation, by making a statement, by dispatching some message. It can be a declaration. So the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, here it is. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth. Now the earth is involved in this. It's not just the cosmos. It's not just the universe. There's heavens here. And this revelation, as we said in chapter 12, has to be part of the of the solar system, but the part basically that contains the earth and the moon and the sun. And so we've got a descriptive thing there 
That is very important. Now, this particular revelation of the glory and the and the uttering of, of a speech, and when it says the uttering of a speech, we don't know what that speech is unless God reveals that to us. And the speech isn't just a daytime speech, it's night unto night, and day unto day. And it 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 is not fouled up or broken up or set apart without it encompassing encompassing every speech, every language, the voice, there's no place it's not heard. So because of its manifold disposition, the terminology in verse 4 changes to a, a, a plural. There, line is gone out through all the earth. And there, words to the end of the world. And in them, he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Now we got the woman back. Because the bridegroom isn't anything without the bride. And so the word bridegroom is twofold. It both incorporates the bride and the groom. So it includes both the bride and the groom in its indication. And so the bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race His going forth is from the end of the heaven, we're back to the heaven thing, and his circuit to the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect. Now back to chapter 12 of Revelations. We have then the glory, which is the crown. And the crown is a circle, it's a compass, it's a circuit. And it's a circuit of 12 stars. So, we show in the manifest teachings that these 12 circuits are the 12 different circuits of the sound tron. Sound tron. S-O-U-N-D-T-R-O-N. Now, the sound tron We've explained this many times, but there's always new people coming on. It's explained this way. First, the 19th chapter of Psalms, his line has gone out to all the earth, all the world. His line. That word line is transliterated differentially translated in the book of the New Testament. In Romans chapter 10, I believe it is, instead of saying his line, it says his sound, his voice has gone out. And the question that preceded that was, 
has everybody heard the gospel? Has everybody do ever does everybody have a chance to know what what the word is, what the speech is, what the revelation is, what the declaration is? And Paul writes by the Spirit and says, Yes, they do. Because his voice, his sound has gone out to all the world, and there's no one that has not heard it. Which goes along with Psalms 19 that says there's no place that that line has not gone. There's no place that it has not spoken. Everything, everywhere has heard it. And it says it's a circuit. So now then we have 12 circuits. 12 circuits. And they're compared to to stars because, you know, stars send out radiation, they send out vibration, they send out electrical signals. Uh, They're just full of all kinds of rhythmic messages. And then again, it's important because there is a double-fold meaning here of the 12 stars. The number 12 is extremely important. And, the tw- and they are 12 circuits of glory. And they go out everywhere. They cover this earth, they cover the heavens, they cover everything. And they are tied in to these 12 stars because now you get into this revelation, you know, of what the 12 represent. So we're going to look at that. And we're going to see some very, some very interesting things. Okay. Um, we see that there are many things that can just take us deeper and deeper and deeper. We had the word signifying as part of the the word wonder in the first verse of chapter 12 of Revelations, representing, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, but that that word wonder was actually, there appeared a great sign, which also incorporate the meaning of significance. So we're seeing it significant because of the declaration of the glory that's going forth into all the heavens. And we're seeing that there are things of the sign that ties into this this speech, this revelation in Psalms 19, because in the book of, four, four, of, of 1 Corinthians 14.22, 1 Corinthians 14.22, it says that tongues, speaking in the unknown tongues, are for a sign, S-I-G-N. Now then, this is further proof that this language, that is the glory language that is coming from God, is a sign. It's a sign of the Holy Ghost. It's a, it's a Holy Ghost message that God has spoken here in Revelations for us to understand so we can understand these crowns of glory and how that they represent 
these 12 circuits of the Soundtron, because that's what these two scriptures of Psalms 19 and Revelations 12 are so compatible with. Now we also know, and we're going to get into this, about the, the time gate. We know there's a time for when things are to be signified. So in Hebrews 9.8, it says, The Holy Spirit signifying the way into the holiest of all was not yet made. There was a time going back in history that with all the works that Jesus was doing in his physical body on earth as the Son of Man, there was yet a work that Jesus had to do as the Son of God that would open up the way into the holiest of all. And even at the time that it was written of uh, uh, it, that it was written about in Hebrews, that had not yet happened. That incredible thing had not yet happened, and in, in another place it says, because God's people had not entered into the rest, because they really don't understand what the Sabbath is. They really don't understand what it really is. We're not going to preach on that today. But there are so many things that are so important that if you don't have the understanding of them, then you're missing link. You're missing a link. You're missing part of the chain. So just like the Bible says in Isaiah 30, verse 1, that you can add sin to sin, you can also add glory to glory. In this case, we have the full circuits, the 12. And we see how important that is because in Numbers chapter 17, 2 and 6, it talks about the 12 rods that were to be given to leaders of the 12 tribes. And they would represent the Father's ministry. These 12 rods, each, each leader of each 12 tri tribes, of each one of the 12 tribes, would have this rod. There's a tremendous revelation on this thing of the rod. And there was 12. And there was things like Rods, you know, of the Father's house, in another sense, representing lightning rods. And in 1 Kings 7.15 and 25, it talks about a line, L-I-N-E, of 12 cubits did come pass. And the word compass can equal circle which ties back into this revelation of Psalms 19 and the meaning of it. Now we got the word line again in 1 Kings 7.15 and the 12 cubits and the, and, the, and the compass, which is a circle, which ties into the circle of the crown. Even the altar is one of the sacred items. And Ezekiel speaks about an altar with 
being 12 cubits long. In Revelation 7, 5, it talks about the sealing of 12,000 of each of the tribes of the 12 tribes. So it's 12 times 12. 12,000 times 12,000 gives you 144,000. There's a time gate. Revelations 21, 12 talks about the 12 gates and 12 pearls, 12 angels, 12 foundations. Revelations 22.2 talks about the tree of life and its 12 manners of fruit. All of these things are tying together. They all belong together. And my, we're hardly getting started here and it's already time to take a break. Janet Lee on the Baldwin organ.
once again, Janet. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's awesome. Just love it. I get so many people that make comments about your playing. Okay, back to uh, Revelations 12. <clears throat> Time gate. Okay, so now we see that there is something very much that has to do with time. We have the mother, and she is pregnant. She is with child, and she's travailing in, in birth and pain to be delivered. So this tells us something very conclusively. Because if we go back to the book of Genesis, we, we have an interesting divide of Genesis. And the major theologians for many, many years, hundreds of years, have recognized that the term for God that was used is Elohim. It can be made to be singular, with certain usage, but it basically is a plural word. But you've got the Elohim, which is the plural. In the beginning, the gods created the heavens and the earth. And then you've got later in Genesis, not much later, the gods coming down making the decision about human beings, about how to make them. And they're basically making the decision that they will make them in the image that they are. They, they have come into the uh, universe uh, uh, from the first domain. And these are three groups of angels, the seraphim, the cherubim, and the ophanim. And um, they are then very much involved in the various aspects of creation. And so they've decided we'll, we'll, we'll make it them something on the order of what our bodies look like that we have taken in order to manifest our missions here in the universe. And that is easy for you to find, uh, you know, if you just want to go back to the book of Genesis, uh, it's not very, very di difficult to find that. You can find that in the first chapter and the 26th verse. And God, they show it in a singular, but it actually is plural. And God said, and here's how we know it's plural, let us make man in our image. Okay? So, um, and our likeness. Now, if it just said image, then a person could say, well, that's just uh, uh, an architectural plan. But when it says in our likeness, that's a two-prong descriptive thing. And so, you've got this two-prong descriptive thing, uh, image and kind, and that's very, very important. And let us make man that way. Let us. So the us then modifies the word God, singular, to plural. And the gods said, let us do this. Okay, now back to chapter 12 
of Revelations. Now then, we have a time gate here because the manifest teaches that the fifth day of creation was when Lucifer, the covering angel, was allowed that generation day to express some of his management. And so he was allowed that fifth day to express his management in the creation. He, of course, was to follow the the coordinated data that was coming in as a collection from the Ophanims through Yaviel, but he decided to modify that data and put some of his own eyes ideas into it, which he did quite secretly. So now we know that the fifth day must be coming to a close because humans were not made until the sixth generation day. And this woman is pregnant and she's in pain to be delivered, so it's got to be very, very close to the sixth generation day. And consequently, Lucifer knows that and he knows that some of his actions are going to be discovered and so in the third chapter of, or pardon me, the third verse of chapter 12 of Revelations, it says, and there appeared another wonder, another sign, because it's the same Greek word, in heaven. So what this means is the things that are being used, the terminologies that are being used, they're saying something that are symbolic, patternistic. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. Now, we can recognize that this word wonder is connected to the word heaven in both the third verse and the first verse. First verse, chapter 12, there appeared a great wonder in heaven. And then we decided that, okay, the moon and the earth uh, are, are basically implicated here and the sun that shines on the earth so we know it's that part of the solar system that contain the earth and the moon and the sun. And so since then, we have, there's, there's is another wonder in heaven that then connects it to that same location. Now, when this appearance takes place, Lucifer has already done all kinds of things during that 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 fifty that fifth generation time. One of the things that he has done is he has 
moved the Ophan, Ophanim angels from the father's house, Arturia location, to the Draconian location. And the Bible tells us that in the New Testament, you know, that the angels left their their first home. They left they left that. And that was held against them. Because they didn't have the ultimate approval that they needed. They only had the recommendation by Lucifer Satan. So the timetable of this wording tells us that that happened during the fifth generation day and now the the dragon terminology is involved because he has through his morning star ministry sitting in the seat of Yahweh taken the authority to convince these angels to move to what he said would be a, a better creation a vision of what was going on. And so now that's happen, happening during the fifth generation day of Genesis. And there appears another wonder in heaven connecting it to that same other sign in heaven but a different sign. And behold a great red dragon. Now we had this this woman you know, and she she was part of the great sign that appeared in heaven. Now we have a great red dragon, and he has really advanced into his programming. He's got the seven heads, he's got the ten horns, he's got the seven crowns upon his heads. And that is all happening, and it's all been put together during this 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 seventh, or pardon me, during during this fifth generation day. Now, the fifth generation day is not a 24-hour period. And anybody that's into that, you are just into such a narrow margin of thinking that, uh, you know, it's, it's you're never going to get out of the quicksand. You're just always going to be choking in it until you get out of that way of thinking because it's just not the, the reality. And now he's done all of this work and he's getting ready to do something that I'm sure that the Ophanims are not aware of. I'm sure that they never anticipate that he would ever do such a thing. And that is explained in verse 4. Of chapter 12. And his tail. Drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And did cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman. Which was ready to be delivered. For to devour her child. As soon as it was born. Well. See, people don't understand. They, they think of everything like in human time. And they think that this birth was going to happen and immediately this birth was going to be Jesus or going to be Adam 
But, you know, there are, you know, like thousands of years that have gone by here during these times, thousands. And from this time that she is pregnant and getting ready to have the man-child where the, the dragon is standing by, there is the whole process of the development that is to take place of the creation of this, of this humankind that did not have a soul. Because they were not, at that time in creation, looking to create bodies for the Ophanim. Because that whole thing was up, up in the air. Now, we know that it's very, very, very important the connection to this whole thing that I'm sharing with you. Because the connection tells the story in a, in a timetable. And without understanding it in a timetable, it's very, very difficult to know what's going on. Well, one of the things that the Bible says it says that Satan, day and night, day and night, accused the angels, the people of God. Day and night, he brought accusations against the people of God and was constantly blaming them. So when the end of this fifth, fifth period occurred, he suddenly cast all the Ophanims, with but few exceptions, down to earth and accused them day and night as being the blame for everything that happened that the angels of the 144,000 and Yaviel would check into and find to be disobedient to the laws of angelic creation. And he had that all ready to go. And he cast them down to earth because what the symbolism is there is that here, here are the people that have made these dinosaurs. Here are the people that have polluted the people. So that when we are talking about this woman who is pregnant and there's this man-child to be born, it is both hindsight, present sight, and future sight, and has a multiplicity of application. Because on the one side, it is having nothing to do with the idea of the redemption of the Ophanims by taking physical bodies. This is prior to that. This is the time gate. It is still with the idea of creating new entities that would eventually be able to come into the mindset of realizing there was a God and then ultimately could gain souls. Well, things are still being fought. Uh, Satan is constantly, day and night, 
making charges against the Ophanims and showing that it's actually their idea to move to to uh, Drago, their idea to do these creation of these exotic beings. And all he was doing was trying to oversee them in a monitoring type of way. And he betrayed them. Now, things were really in a mess. Now, just to dig into the story a little bit, so we don't get too far out of the way. When we look at Ezekiel 16, it's very, very interesting that we get this picture, which this is done in symbolism, you know, Chapter 16, verse 2 of Ezekiel. Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations and say, thus saith the Lord. Now this is, this is looking backward in time to try to reveal to them in a symbolic way the true legends of what really happened. Thus saith the Lord God to Jerusalem, thy birth, thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite. Amorite, thy mother, and Hittite. Now, we don't have the time today. We've preached on this before. But the idea of it is meaning as to what those names, Amorite and Hittite, mean. And they have application. As for thy nativity in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supply thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these things unto thee, to have compassion on thee, but thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Now the Septuagint tells about this child and shows it to have an infirmity, and that was the reason it was tossed away. Septuagint is the, the Greek Bible. And when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted, in thine own blood, and said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. I say unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. And I cause thee to multiply. So now here, after a long process of time, when in the sixth generation day, which is very long, there are all these different kinds of humans. And out of this group of humans, there came to be this one particular child. And this one particular child that was thrown away actually ended up being Adam. But even Adam was polluted in his own blood because this goes back to the 13th chapter of of Matthew when the people were were asleep and they thought they had planted wheat, but the enemy came in, which the Bible says was the, the, were the demons, and they planted these tares. So this happened way back in that time in which all these pre-humans became polluted, and all their offspring had this pollution of the tares. And that is, that's the time gate for that. 
That is when that happened. Now, this turned out to be an incredible big thing. And and the the Ophanim were blamed for it happening. And Lucifer, day and night, the Bible says, stood before the throne of God in heaven, accusing the Ophanims and blaming all of this on them and making his case. Well, finally, in the course of time, it was found out what the real truth was. And then everything had to change. And there had to become soul people. Bodies that are the people that were the orphanims could come and take so that they could get redeemed from the mistakes that they had made because they did make some. And then Lucifer was you know, he was given limitations and that's all part of the of the time gate. Now we haven't even hardly got started on that time gate. We can't finish it today because there's other things I want to share with you that I'm sure you're looking forward to having me share with you and, and we'll get back into that next week and share more you know, some of the significant scriptures. But for instance, in that twelfth chapter in the ninth verse, it says that Satan deceiveth the whole world. Now in the Greek forty one oh five and forty one oh six of the Greek Concordance Dictionary of Strong's forty one oh five means for the word deceiveth, to cause to roam, to go away, to seduce. And 4106 means strain from orthodoxy. Well, the guy that, Strong's that did this, didn't know all this great, great ancient history, so he used the word orthodoxy, but that would be equivalent to saying, you know, what the original angelic codes were, what the original rules were. It was strained from the original plan. And this whole thing then was a deception and a bringing about of a delusion. Well, the Bible says that the angels have a way of figuring out, ultimately, resolutely figuring out what is the causation? Isaiah 46.10 says, declaring from the end, declaring the end from the beginning. There's a way of looking at the beginning of something and having a way to know what the ultimate last end result is. And that's a really a deep forensic understanding that the angels have. And Lucifer knew that, but he thought he had himself covered. And so, we begin to see with this that this all brings us to the time gate of now the first man, Adam, being there to start bringing 
bodies that could be available for the fallen angels. And that's all the timetable. It's all there. And we see the connection of all these things. These 12 rods, which were represented the fathers. I said last week how that they had on, or the week before, how they had on the the head of the rod, uh, the figurine, the, the 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 way that the father looked, his appearance, and, and it was a a recognize recognition and a, and a respect for this holy man who was called a father, and um, not just a father of his own children, but a father of the nation, of of his nation, like whether it be Judah or or whether it be Ephraim. You know, or whatever the, the the tribe, and each had a rod. Uh, these were all part of what I spoke on about the teraphim, and and the teraphim uh, started out being uh, something that was used of God, but then later there was a, there was a fall, a fall away from the teraphim, and it became. Uh, it became sinful and evil because the teraphim began to be changed into figurines that had nothing to do with anything that was that was holy. And there's a lot of teaching I need to do on that. And hopefully we will have the time to uh, expand on this thing for the, for, for the healing. But I want to get a little bit into this thing about um, the other aspects because... We had that we had this revelation of the tares. Later, we have another pollution that happens called wormwood, which this star uh, falls into the uh, the waters and poisons all the waters. The waters represent the people. So it's another kind of poisoning, and it's another level of poisoning. And we want to set that into the timetable, but we'll do that next week of, of the when and the how of that. Because there's going to be this time when Lucifer is going to be put, and this is the, uh, I believe, the ninth chapter of Revelations, when Lucifer is going to be put into his own prison, he's going to be given the keys to it. And he and, and uh, the son of perdition are going to be doing manufacturing and all kinds of things in that bottomless pit area, which is not in the earth, because you can't make a bottomless pit in the earth. And so there's a big story that I love to share, and I'd love to tell you about that. Uh, we're just going to have to have some some time to uh, to expand on that and and uh, the, the whole thing about uh, the eighth chapter and, and how that this, this uh, uh, star burning as a lamp, um, uh, and it doesn't mean it's a literal star, but a star as it represents uh, the, a person. And it falls upon one-third of, of the rivers and upon the fountain of waters. And the name of the star was called uh, Wormwood, uh, 
it, it's connected with gall and wormwood. So that has a timetable, and we want to get into that, but we'll we'll save some of that uh, for next week because uh, you know that's all going to take some some time. Now we understand that Satan had to do some real bioengineering to make it so that these tears uh, would have such an incredible effect. And this, of course, is going to be another type of bioengineering that will be done uh, when the, the wormwood uh, falls and is into effect. Uh, these are all incredible happenings that are going to happen. Now, we talked about in our announcement last week, or the last, this last few days or so, about the whisper of Satan and how we would cover the revelation of satanic dispersions sent from the workshops of demons and sent out to the brainwaves of human masses. Now, over the time, we've talked to you about how that Satan has been limited to not be able to bring one of his zams, his zams down and land them on earth, that he has to do most of his work remotely. Well, here is a sensational scripture for that. If we look at uh, Revelations, and I believe it is Revelations 14, um, it says in Revelations 14, starting with verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns and a lamb, two horns like a lamb. He spake as a dragon. He exercised all the power of the first beast before him, Causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now get on to this. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire, fire, F-I-R-E, come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, when people think of this fire, they just think of, you know, of like fire in the fireplace or, or maybe lightning generated fire who you know who knows what people might think when they think of fire but fire means many many things and what this verse is describing is this remote dispersion process of of the satanic power connected to these this these beast systems and it's coming down from heaven so here we have a bible sub- supporting and substantiating that this remote dispersion is going to happen from heaven. And it is going to be like a, like a fire. Uh, it's very similar to hellfire in one way, because when people talk about going to hell and, and, and burning forever in the fires of hell, and if they think that that is just a regular fire, then they are totally ignorant. Because a spirit cannot burn. You cannot burn a spirit. It has no physical uh, a mass to burn a spirit does not burn and so you're not a spirit is not going to burn in, in hell but the spirit does have a mind and the sp- not a brain but a mind and so the spirit can burn in his conscience and that's what can happen in hell uh, that 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 the spirits are burning in their conscience in their mind now let's get before the hell thing and let's get to this thing of this fire coming down to earth. And what's this coming down to? It's coming down to affect the people. 
And they are going to see it in the sense that the, these images are going to be put into their minds. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that the real war, that the real battle, is not these wars that nations fight, but it's the battle that's going on right now presently and has been going on for a long, long time between the principalities of light and darkness. That is the real thing. So now, Lucifer Satan, the dragon, has this remote dispersion that he's involved in. And his, his demons, his angels, they are bioengineering, remote sensing, and they are making logs, logging like information, putting down data. And they are, they are taking every person and mapping out their brain and their personality and their character, how they think, how they wish, their temperaments, they've got it all down in perfect scenarios. And what it basically is, is a constant monitoring, a constant monitoring that is going on in a remote sensing type of way by these demons and doing brain mapping And we might wonder about the effects of sanity levels on people and animals that seem to be running wild on this planet Earth. Well, don't think that this neural monitoring, which is a wireless type of thing, is not having psychological effects on the people it is definitely having effects and is definitely influencing human psyche. And we need to understand, we need to understand that this force, this power out there is far more major than anything that has ever been imagined. We know that the age of remote operations is in effect right now, even in the world of human activities. Just like the remote type of, um, of monitoring that is happening by the remote drones. And, and the incredible things that these drones have been able to do. Airplanes that do not need a pilot. The remote thing is in, and it's going on, and fire is coming down from heaven that's invisible, but it's a burning that's going in, it's the, a burning that's going into the minds of the human, human race. And the, and the time and the vent of these these wireless neural remote sensings that are being just 
dispersed in a bioengineering type of way is very close to what it is to a term that is being used in the weapon wars world to affect human minds called psychotronic. There are actually psychotronic weapons that are being used by various military forces to try to break down uh, the the minds of people that they want to um, to influence in certain ways. But it's nothing compared to the capability of the demonic forces that belong to the powers of the principalities of darkness. Now, people might feel fearful and afraid and wonder, my God, we are so subject to this. How do we how do we get around it? Well, there is a scripture in the New Testament in Revelations. And we want to really get into this next week. But it tells that every person of God is being or has been sealed in their forehead. This sealing in the forehead is to protect the brains of believers and to stop the ability of the forces of darkness to monitor and, and brain map your personal mental thoughts and actions. And it's so important for people to be sure that they are a part of that number Because the spiritual laying on of the hands of the presbytery, even in the sense of Gentile, spirit to spirit, can anoint upon people that imprint, that, that sign, that mark to be put on the forehead of your children, the forehead of your, of your wives, the forehead of your husbands, the forehead of your family so that the forces of Satan are blocked, absolutely shut down, shut off from being able to, to do this torrent of pollution that has been going on all the way back before the creation of, of Adam. There is so much. There is so much I want to share. There is so much I need to tell you. And these things that are going on right now of, of the teaching of ancient ast astronauts and aliens and the the interpretations that they're making of some ancient languages and the interpretation that they're making of some of these figurines and masks it's just the closest thing to ignoramus that I've ever seen. They'll take and show some 
some antiquated space system being on some person that they said, this is an alien. And here's proof that these people, they've, they've got one of these masks that's going to allow them to breathe the, properly and, and it's proof that, that they're astronauts. That is such a joke. That is such a fraud. Those systems that have been shown are, they're, they're antiquated. Someone says, yeah, but this, this happened uh, 11,000 years ago or a million years ago. <coughs> that has nothing to do with the fact that whoever was wearing that that was supposed to be an, an, uh, you know, an astronaut came through space traveling at faster maybe than the speed of light. <coughs> that old system, which was a system that they were using perhaps to go to the moon or something like that, that doesn't work for traveling through space at vapor, vapor speed. It doesn't work for that. So when people say, yeah, this is, you know, it's two million years old, so that's why it's antiquated. That will have nothing to do with it. It would have to be modern beyond any time that has ever yet existed on earth that these people would know and they would use and it wouldn't look like anything that was ever that ever had anything to do with any of the space missions that the humans had used. <coughs> well, there's so much more I want to tell you about that. I want to get into a lot of this. I want to finish this thing on the on the time gate and the importance of that. I want to finish chapter twelve. Uh, I, I just there's just so much I want to share with you, and you need to hear. You need to get some of your other friends and family listening to this. These are teachings one of a kind. And they will set you free. They will deliver you from the forces of Satan out there that is trying to possess remotely the minds of human beings. And I'll tell you, it is working on a lot of people. But God is going to open up the gift of the sealing of God's people with the sign and the mark of holiness. That doesn't mean that they got to be perfectly holy, but it means that the perfect holiness of God is going to cover them and going to say unto the forces of Satan, you cannot touch this person. You cannot invade their mind. You cannot invade their privacy. You cannot invade their rights. They are sealed with a sign on their forehead. That's all Bible. God bless you, dear friends. We have more to come, and it's exciting. Next week, Whisper of Satan, number 12. We'll open up the gates. We'll open up the glories. God bless you and keep you. Cause His face to shine on you. God bless you. Amen.